Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. This is Sandy, and welcome to Last First Date Radio, the place to be for creating healthy, lasting relationships in midlife. Today, I am excited to be speaking with return guests, therapists and relationship counselors Linda and Charlie Bloom about how to strengthen your relationship through adversity and challenges. In my 10 years as a life and dating coach, what I know for sure is that if you unpack those, that stuff from your past, your unhealthy patterns, Whatever whatever got created in your family of origin and in your past relationships, if you really start to work on that stuff and begin to honor and value all the parts of you, which includes the parts that people told you were too much or not enough, especially those parts, you're going to transform your life and your love life. And for women who are listening, my whole thing is I want you to be a woman of value, and that is the woman who attracts a good relationship, one that you are worthy of and is worthy of you. Every week I bring you a tip on how to become that woman of value, and this week's tip is be the love you wish to find in the world. I think that this has been kind of tossed around a bit, but I really do believe that whatever we want, we need to really look within and ask ourselves if we are doing that and being that in the world. And when I have my clients create their must-have and their deal-breaker lists, I have them go through the list and say to themselves, am I kind enough? Is there a way for me to be a little bit kinder if I want a kind man or if I want a generous man? Are there areas in my life where I'm not generous or I'm not honest? So the more upfront and honest we can be about who we are and how we're showing up in the world, the more we're going to be able to attract in the love that we want. And before I bring on Charlie and Linda Bloom, I just wanted to remind anybody out there who is not yet a member of my private Facebook group, you are invited to join us. It is a group for women over 40. Some are in relationships, but most are single. And it is a supportive place where you come to grow, not to bash men, not to talk about how horrible dating is, but to actually learn and grow. And the women in the group have benefited so much. They're all really making incredible progress because their mindset has shifted. So if that sounds like something you'd enjoy, please join us. It's called Your Last First Date. Don't forget the your, Your Last First Date on Facebook. All right, and now for my special guests, Charlie and Linda Bloom, returning to talk about how they became stronger at the broken places. Their latest book is called That Which Doesn't Kill Us, How One Couple Became Stronger at the Broken Places. And it's uh, a book that chronicles a 10-year period of time in their relationship where they went through grueling ordeals and their marriage was at the brink of divorce more than once. It is a personal story And it's a story that's universally appealing. I personally felt a lot of connections. And most couples do not survive these types of ordeals, but Charlie and Linda did survive and thrive. And they teach what they know, and it's exciting to bring them onto the show. So welcome, Linda and Charlie. 
I'm delighted to be here with you, Sandy. Thanks for having us come back. Oh, it's a pleasure. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. So this was a very personal book, and you just told me a few minutes ago that you wrote this book a long time ago, and it took a long time to to publish it. So let's talk for a few minutes about why you wrote it and why you waited to bring it to the world. Um, well, first of all, um, yeah, thank you for having us on the show again, Sandy, um, and I appreciate the opportunity to... Uh, you know, to speak with you and your listeners um, about some of these issues, which um, I, I think are not just ours, but they seem to be universal for many, many couples. And um, yeah, we we actually wrote the first draft for this book um, in uh, 1992, uh, 26 years ago, <clears throat> and um, uh, at at that time, we uh, were at the end of the period uh, that the book covers between 1982 when we made a transition moving from the East Coast to the West Coast and uh, 1992, which ended um, uh, <laughs> a long period, a 10-year period of transition. And um, we did um, come very close to losing our marriage, and um, uh, we we uh, wrote it initially. It was almost like um, wanting to chronicle uh, for a journal, um, and, and we did it separately. We each wrote our own version of what our experience had been going through this series of challenges, um, and it was you know for very personal reasons to kind of get more understanding of, you know, what was that all about? How did, you know, what is this that there is for us to learn from all this? And um, at the time, we really um, were becoming aware that this is not just about us, but that other people could value from some of the things that we experienced and what we went through. Um, and we showed the manuscript to um, someone in the publishing business that we knew, and they, you know, they thought that it was good. It was pretty rough. It was the first draft, but they also thought that it would be very difficult for them to um, to sell it since we were unknown at the time and we hadn't really um, had much of a public. Um, profile. Um, and so, um, you know, we decided to, you know, put it aside and, you know, we'll see what, what happens. And, you know, over the years we kind of talked about maybe going over and, and giving it another once over. And, um, but we never, we never really did until a couple of years ago when um, we both felt like, um, I think that we're, we're ready to really make a serious effort to, uh, to get this out there, to put it in completed book form. And um, we did some more editing. We hired an editor. Um, and uh, we're very, very pleased with what the result has been. As you know, we wrote it in alternating chapters. So the, the reader gets to see not only what was going on with us at the time uh, that we're, we're writing about in, the, in, the, in our chapters, but 
the reader gets to see what the other person was experiencing at the same time, not uh-huh. just the event, but the actual inner experience that we were going through, the concerns, the needs, the desires, the feelings um, that were prompting us to make some of the choices that we made. Um, so in that way, it's it's, it's very unique uh, from our other books, which are primarily self-help, although this book is no less self-help. It's just written in a memoir form with a lot of teachings uh, that are more implicit that are embedded in, in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I certainly learned a lot from reading the book, and I'm sure that, that our readers and listeners will benefit a lot from hearing your story. Um, so, Linda, what were the reasons that you wrote the book? Well, it was journaling for my life, you know. It was really writing down uh, what I was experiencing during that such a difficult time where I was so busy that I didn't have a chance to journal. Do you know the kids were really small when we moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. My little girl was only 18 months old. And then Charlie was in the corporate world and giving his best energies to his job. And I was home with three little kids, like a traditional woman. And I didn't have any idea that I was ever going to have a a life like that. You know, I was a real staunch feminist, and we had taken vows with each other. We were going to mutually support each other's career development and bring up the kids together in an egalitarian partnership. And all of a sudden, I found myself in this role of the traditional mom, staying at home with kids. And I just was seriously unhappy. I was angry and frustrated and disappointed and feeling ineffectual, and I couldn't get him out of that corporate world. He was ensconced there, and he was in love with that job. And I used to call her the call the company the mistress, and I'd say, you spend more time with her than you do with me. You seem to love her more than you do me, and I'm really upset about it. And I had no idea how long it was going to go on for. But when things finally settled down after he re he left the company and he resigned, then I I had a little bit more time to catch my breath and say, what was going on there? How did we get so far apart? And I I wrote all of these journal notes down, which ended up, you know, making comprising the book just as a survival mechanism for myself to get my uh, sense of self-trust restored and to really um, handle the fear that I had to make sure that we wouldn't relapse into going off the road so far, do you know, that we could crash and burn. And Mm -hmm. writing it all down really helped me to get back on the road of my life. Mm. Yeah, it's... um I can relate to the, you know, sort of changing the script that you started a marriage with because my husband and I had agreed on raising our children in a religious Jewish environment. We had agreed on living in a certain place. We Everything changed. Everything changed. And and I kept saying, well, I didn't change, but he changed. So, like, you know, this isn't fair. 
And you you do lose yourself when you're in survival mode. You can't see beyond just trying to get through the day. So I can totally, totally relate to that. And with, with some distance, you can begin to unpack what was going on and who you became and who you want to become, um, which you both really grew tremendously through this experience. And we get to see your maturation and your, your honesty with who you became. Um, which we will talk about in a few minutes. But I, I, if you can first just tell us a little bit about the story itself um, of how, you know, what happened to create all of these levels of crisis. Uh, well, in a nutshell, um, it all began, and I'm going to give you the abbreviated version, um, but it all began um, – when we were living in Connecticut, and I was um, I was a therapist in a mental health clinic, and um, one of my associates was a psychiatrist who um, uh, I was friends with, and um, he did um, a personal growth seminar in uh, in New York. Spent a week there, and came back very very enthusiastic about it. I mean wildly, and uh, was urging me to to do it, and um, being the skeptic that I tend to be, um, I, I was reluctant to, to jump into it. But instead, I kind of, you know, observed him, and I noticed, you know, over the coming weeks and months that he really uh, had changed in some real important ways that I thought were for the pos- for the best. And um, I eventually decided to, to do the seminar, and um, I was so taken by it that I um, I applied for um, a job working for them, even though we weren't really looking to move um, or to change our lives. But I was uh, I was very um, taken by this experience, and um, they ended up hiring me and um, moving us out to California. And uh, in what had been a, a a very um, egalitarian-based relationship, it all flipped. And um, the job was so consuming and the training that first year I was there was so totally consuming that um, uh, I was only at home a fraction of the time that I used to be. And we kind of knew that there was going to be, you know, some big demands, but the scope of the demands of the, company were overwhelming. I mean, it was way more than either one of us expected. And and um, I was really completely committed to, to at least completing my training and, um, and, and then hopefully continuing to do this, the uh, seminar work, facilitating large group <clears throat> personal growth seminars. And um, it it uh, it just kind of seemed to spiral out of hand, and it, it, our whole family structure um, had to transform, and and not necessarily in a positive way. Um, but Linda ended up having to really be the primary caregiver to the kids and the primary um, person involved in managing the household <clears throat> about. 75% of the time, I was gone um, probably close to three weeks a month. 
and that was really what what um, caused the you know disintegration of this structure that we had worked carefully for years to put together, and we had to make some some adjustments. And both of us were under tremendous pressure because um, I was de- dealing with the demands of the company and, and in my training, which were very extreme. I mean, they were demanding uh, compliance to a whole set of uh, conditions and regulations and rules that if I didn't fulfill, uh, I was gone. And and Linda was, you know, dealing with um, a degree of responsibility on her own that we had not ever previously had. So it was a split. Um, and we were both kind of uh and this was this was a really tough part that both of us were maxed out most of the time so in a relationship in which we were used to being mutually supportive of each other each one of us would come to the well but the well would be dry mhm and um i think probably a lot of people can relate to that when 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 both people are stressed out neither one of them has enough generosity to give because they're in survival, uh-huh. and what do you do then? You know, how do you how do you deal with that? So that was kind of basically what we were dealing with, and there were a variety of different kinds of breakdowns that inevitably occur in these kinds of situations. Uh, and, and neither one of us really had enough reserves to be patient, to be understanding, to be compassionate, to be empathic, to be accepting, to be supportive, because we were both kind of in survival. And 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 here's this is the last thing I want to say about that. The the, the 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 kicker in all this was that we both have very different personalities. I tend to be pretty introverted, um, and, and introverts, as you probably know, tend to um, recharge their batteries in solitude within themselves. They become more self-reflective. They need their space. Linda is a flaming extrovert, so when she needs to get recharged, she turns to somebody else. So she's turning to me to give her something. I am, you know, whoa, wait a second. I've got nothing to give to you. I need I need to pull into my own space for a while and get recharged. So we're amplifying each other's needs and... and um, creating a cycle that, that that cycle was something that was <clears throat> uh most endangering our relationship. We couldn't get out of it. Yeah, I mean that really struck me and the other part was the distance or pursuer relationship that you had and how that shifted over time with um with the skill set that Linda learned by being independent and and eventually going back to to work part-time and the kids growing up a little and and all the lessons that both of you learned from what was created early on in life in your families of origin i mean that stuff is fascinating to me um but let's let's hear let's hear linda's point of view on um on the crisis and the broken trust you're using uh, crisis in plural, and there were just a number of them stacked yes. up, about a half a dozen. You mm-hmm. know, that 
We had the crisis of the broken agreement that we were going to raise the children together and mutually support the careers, which went up in smoke. And that was the sacred vows that I felt like we took that got violated. So I was so angry about the betrayal and the arguments. You, you kept us in crisis for a long time. Mm-hmm. Then um, Charlie was so caught up in work that the work addiction do you understand, was stealing a lot of our well-being because he was just so committed to this 80-hour work week and so exhausted from the work and the commute. Um, When he would come home, he wasn't even fully functional even during a lot of the time that he was home. In In addition to that, we had relocated from the east coast to the west coast so I had left all my family and friends behind, and I'm such a relationship-oriented extrovert that it was a source of terrible grief. And because I felt like the kids needed at least one parent, I gave up my career also, which was a source of real sustenance for me. So it was a lot of loss. After those three crises, we thought we were in the clear, and then Charlie depicts in the book what a... um, A sad time it was and how grief-stricken he was and how depressed he got when he stopped mainlining the the high of being the trainer and, you know, having all this adulation and traveling all over the the country and really um, being in flow state on the job was really a source of sorrow for him. And as soon as he pulled through his depression, then I got diagnosed with cancer. And I'm Mm -hmm. certainly... Uh, convinced that part of the reason that I came down with the breast cancer was the stress that I lived in for years. And Uh so when we completed on that series of a half a dozen crises, for the most part, it's been a golden age in in our partnership for a couple of decades. And, you know, I like, I feel like we got a lot of the difficulties out of the way. Um, back then, and we've been enjoying our relationship to the max, I think that with the depth of gratitude that I experience about what we have now wouldn't be as big as it is without all that dark night of the soul that we went through back in the 80s. Mm. Yeah, I did that cancer. I mean, every time I was like turning a page and going, oh, my God, another crisis, how do they manage going through all of this, the depression and the bipolar diagnosis. Um, so, diff- I mean, I my father was bipolar, and I oh, so many things in this in this book just spoke to me. And you know what what we can go through is amazing. Um, and I know that you know some things happen that really turn things around. So if you can speak to that about what began to help you to get out of this these crises that you had been through and start to rebuild trust and and rebuild the relationship. Well, I would say that that the beginning of our healing and our recovery. Um, Occurred. I mean, I can point to a specific moment when things radically changed. <laughs> this was not um, a gradual awakening, but there there was a, a, a moment that occurred when um, we were attending a, um, a weekend couples retreat 
um, that was uh, had about 20 couples there, and um, at all different levels. I mean, some people were there because they just wanted to um, uh, deepen their connection. Some people were there because they were struggling. Some people were there because they were on the ropes and they didn't know whether they were going to stay together. And and so we were at this workshop. And, you know, just to kind of summarize the experience on the second day of the workshop, um, we we were, uh, <laughs> Linda volunteered us to, um, to work in the middle of the group with the couple facilitating. And... Um, during that time, um, we, you know, we were both um, responding to their efforts to, to um, help us to really see what we had been unable to see. And, and for my part, uh, what I had been unable to hear or see from Linda was just how I mean, this sounds kind of crazy because she had been telling me this for five years, but it hadn't gotten through to me until, for whatever reason, um, at this moment in, in the group, I realized I heard her as though for the first time uh, telling me what it was doing to her, how it was affecting the, the kids, and and from the input and feedback from other people in the group, particularly men, um, I was hearing from them, uh, particularly those who had been in marriages before, and this was their second or third marriage, um, mm -hmm. how painful it was to, to lose that relationship. And at some point, I became aware, in a way that I hadn't been before, of, of just what the damage was, what was the price that that Everyone was paying for this, and for the first time, I saw not just how it, that it was affecting other people. I saw what it was doing to me. I saw what I was missing. I saw what I was losing out on. I saw what uh, what, what I had what I had missed that I would never be able to get back again. It was as though um, it was as though Sandy. All of the um, little tiny um, micro lapses in my relationship with the family and with the kids, that the, the, the net result, the whole impact of them hit me simultaneously. So it's like five years of missed, like, missed opportunities to play with the kids, to be more involved with them. To be, uh, to, to have the kind of a family that we had both talked about having, um, to realize experientially, to feel the depth of that loss all at once, and it just cracked me open um, mm. emotionally in a way that uh, I, I don't remember ever having felt before or even since it, it was just crack, being cracked open emotionally is the best way I can describe it and, uh -huh. and when I began to come to my senses um, after I don't know how long um, 
the words that came out of my mouth were I looked at Linda and I just said, it's over. It's over. Mm. And the next day I quit my job. Meaning now, the that job was over, end. not the marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The next, I said, I, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I really, you know, I meant it, and I did leave the job. But that wasn't the end of it. And as, as people who have been through similar things know that that's just the beginning mm-hmm. of the real process of healing. And, and part of that process is to grieve the loss. Uh-huh. To grieve all those missed moments, to to and, and to forgive the people that you had felt angry by or upset with, and to forgive yourself for being so unconscious. Uh-huh. And and that was that was a serious you know, uh, that was huge. And you know, I got into therapy, and I. And I, you know, did a lot of work on myself. And, you know, the book really talks about how both of us did a lot of work on ourselves. Very different kinds of work because we're, we had different issues and we're, we're different kinds of people. But mm-hmm. that, that was the turning point. Catalyzed. Yeah, and that. thank you for sharing that. I, I, I remember that scene in the book where you're weeping in the center of the circle and where you are cracked open. And I think what's important for people to know is that what you just said before, that it's not a straight line. It's Healing is not a straight line. Life is not a straight line. There are ups and there are downs. You found one therapist and then you found another. It was, it was not everything at once. And it didn't just stay up. It went up and it went down and it got worse until it got better. Um, and I think that people often think, well, we're done now. And you know, I think that's important. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right? <That's> wishful <laughs> um, so, Linda, um, if you can give us your kind of condensed version of, of the story um, of the healing and recovery for you. Well, immediately when he was done with the corporation, I started to – relax and I started to feel soothed. Do you know that I was able to endure long enough for him to return to me in the family? And I started to heal right away. Um, I was a little reluctant the very first week or two. I thought maybe he's just having a flash in the pan here and it's not going to last. But as soon as I was certain that he was following through with the resignation and it was permanent, uh, we had other challenges because we had to start our own business and have Mm -hmm. another income stream. It's expensive to live out here in the San Francisco Bay Area. But you had mentioned the dynamic of distance or pursuer, Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm a big-time connector, and I I have replaced using the words distancer and pursuer because they have a kind of a pejorative connotation with the connector and the freedom fighter. Mm. I feel like they're more uplifting terms, but the same dynamic is true. And when I felt like Charlie really had chosen me, and he had chosen to be a family man once again rather than a high-powered professional uh, corporate man, um, I really didn't have the kind of fear and anxiety running me 
do you know about am I, am I going to be able to live this way? Because I dangled there on the edge of, I don't know if I can live this way. This is so unlike what I want my life to be. And once he really came back, the healing began for me, um, mm. big time. But there was there was a healing that went on for me, and I depict that in the book in another couple's workshop where they nailed me to the wall because I'd taken Charlie <laughs> there to get sick because it was so obvious to me that he was the, <laughs> the one that was making the trouble, that he would sired these kids and then didn't stick around to bring them up. And I took him to Stephen Levine and his wife, Andrea, because I knew he really trusted them. And we were in Brighton Bush, Oregon. But they nailed me, and they said, you know, you're pretty attached to what your marriage and family life has to look like, and I think your work is non-attachment, that you need to embrace that this is your life right now and not fight it so hard. I'm paraphrasing what they said. And Mm -hmm. that you really need to be doing forgiveness meditation for Charlie and looking at the beauty that he is rather than all the ways he's failing you and is making you so angry and particularly forgiveness meditation for yourself for not being wife charming and mother charming and that was a pivotal point in my life in terms of healing and it's one of the reasons that we believe so much in the power of couples workshops because that that joint intention and that joint commitment that a group brings, it's transformative and you can accomplish in there what it would take months of working one-on-one or one-on-two in the therapeutic model. And Charlie mm-hmm. proposed to me in a couples group. So we mm. really have had life-changing moments in those couples circles. Yeah, and and even what Charlie just shared about being in that circle where he had the cracking open, he was listening to other people. That was part of the healing. Listening to other men and hearing about other relationships is so helpful. And just knowing you're not alone in general is helpful. I mean, this is one of the reasons I run my Facebook group of 2,400 women when they come in there and they see, oh, other people are going through this and there's a way out and I can get support, it makes the world of difference for them. And so I, I totally agree with you. I love love workshop work, and I think couples really, really benefit greatly from a good couples workshop. Um, so let's, let's just, as we close, because we, we could talk for hours and I unfortunately don't have hours, um, just, um, you know, one thing that really stuck out for me in the book is the strong foundation you had at the beginning and especially your sexual connection because you talk about that a lot and how that connected you. Even in the worst times, you were healing together, naked in bed, you know, and you had that to go back to. And not every couple has that strong foundation. So, um, if you can share like some of the things that kept you together through these tough times, and also when when is it a good time to not stay in a relationship? Like when do you actually call it quits? I mean, that's a big question, well, but <laughs> that's a that's a great question, and um, I I have a pet peeve about therapists who think they know. 
<laughs> they sometimes <laughs> pass judgment on relationships because we didn't go to therapy during that time. We went to workshops, but we didn't go to therapy. And one of the reasons that I didn't go is I'd been in the field long enough to know that sometimes therapists say, this relationship is hopeful, uh, hopeless, it's a, it's a train wreck, you might as well cut your losses now and let go. And I was just, I was hanging by threads that if a professional consultant told me that, I thought it would probably cut the last little shred. And we've been in the business long enough to know that it can look really bad. And if there is a little burning ember under all of that ash, that's enough. And we always had the burning under uh, embers under the ash. And you're absolutely right, and I'm glad that that teaching comes shining through is that you need to utilize what is working in the relationship and as low as the relationship sunk, we both really liked sex a lot and we both had a splendid experience and sometimes that was the only thing that was connecting us. And if we didn't have that one day a week where we would get the kids off to school and then get back in bed and be skin time and let the rest of the world fade away and just catch up with each other, I never could have lasted, you know, what ended up being a a five-year period of his being uh, missing from my life for an extended period of time. So I think People need to know what's really working in their relationship and utilize that to get through the difficult spots. And about being able to tell what the real deal breakers are, if there is abuse, emotional or physical, if there is addiction where a person isn't interested in getting treatment for it, if there is infidelity that's chronic and yet again people don't want to get treatment for it, and when there's a serious values clash, and we certainly had a serious values clash during that time, but there was enough of a uniting of our bond about devotion to family, intact family, and living a life of service that unified us and kept us together even through very difficult circumstances. And, you know, during the time that he was a part of this company, in his department, one by one, almost every single one of the trainers did end up getting divorced. And in Mm -hmm. the five years that we were a part of the company, sometimes people had two divorces. So it was that uncertainty during that time, thinking we were the next ones to go down in flames. But there was enough of a foundation and enough of a bond of love and uh, enough of a values in common that sustained us until we got out of the clutches of the company. Mm. Yeah, and I felt that. I felt that in the book. And in my marriage, there was not. So... But I have seen other relationships that I felt could have made it with the right support, and they just gave up. And and then go, people go on to repeat the same mistakes with the next partner because they never heal. Uh, so it, it is important to do this work no matter what. Um, Charlie, did you want to add anything to that? No, I'm, I'm pretty much uh, um, on board with everything that Linda said, in particular the thing that you just said about um, people not really um, pulling out all the stops and going, giving it their very best shot. Um, mm-hmm. In response to your, your question about how do you know when it's time to, 
call it quits. Um, I don't think there's any way you can really confidently know for sure until you really feel within yourself that you have done everything you can do um, without, of course, compromising your own integrity. But you've done everything you can do to, to do your part to try to make this work. And if you really do that and you keep doing it, one of two things will definitely happen. And the first thing that could happen is that at some point your, your partner <clears throat> will come around, they'll respond to your efforts. They'll, when you stop making them the problem and continue doing your own work, um, or they won't come around. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and if you keep doing it and they don't come around, Get at clear. some point you'll know, I can't do this anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not even a choice at that point. It's yeah, just something for me. Yeah, I, I knew because I wasn't angry anymore, and that was really yeah. the telling sign for me. I just was spent. It was like I've tried for years, so many, so many ways to get through, so many ways to connect. I compromised way too much. I really gave up on a lot of things that were important to me and lost bits of myself, and it wasn't worth the effort anymore. The cost was too great, and and yeah. I left with without. Anger without saying you're wrong, you're a terrible person. We're just, we can't make this work. And so it's, yeah, I mean, I gave it 23 years. It was a long time. But, um, you know, some people quit after two and don't even know what a relationship looks like, you know, what it is to be in a relationship. Anyway, thank you so, so much for, for this this amazing conversation. There's still so much more we could have talked about, and I hope people read the book. So please tell us, tell our audience where they can find the book, what the name of the book is, and how they can find you and the awesome work that you do. Well, the name of the book is That Which Doesn't Kill Us, How One Couple Became Stronger at the Broken Places. And if they can remember either Linda Bloom or Charlie Bloom or Bloom work, they can go to our website, and you can... Click on, you know, the Barnes & Noble uh, connection or the Amazon connection. You can get it that way. Some people, like me, get a big kick out of having a signed by the author's version, and we are happy to mail that out to them. They can call us or email us and have, have it come through us. And when they go to our website, which is bloomwork.com, it has a schedule. And we come to New England and we teach every January at Kropalu in Massachusetts. We teach secrets of successful relationship there, and they'll see where else we're teaching. And there's a whole lot of free things on the website. They can see all the blog sites where we blog, and there are links to the blog sites. And we've got almost 400 blogs out there in the blogosphere. They can sign up to be on our email list and they get a, a free ebook when they sign up and that will show them that we're on Facebook Live every Thursday at twelve thirty. That's Pacific time, but they're all archived if they miss us. Awesome. Well thank you so much. There's a lot of free resources and paid resources and so much to help people have healthier relationships. So thank you Charlie and Linda for sharing your story, for being brave enough to open up and tell a very important story to help other people and for doing the beautiful work you do in the world. You're very welcome, and thank you for helping us get the word out. Thank My you, pleasure. Now oh, you're welcome. 
Thank you, everybody, for joining me today. If you love this show, we appreciate uh, rating and reviewing uh, either on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere you listen to this show. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. 